Hi everyone, welcome to the Royal Podcast of Oz, this is Jared. And Sam. And today we're going to, we're skipping a little ahead in our usual podcasting to talk about a recent-ish Oz film. It was released in 2008. It's a CGI animated film that was made to showcase the possibilities of an animation software called Animation Master. The main point was to show off the animation, not so much to make the greatest movie ever, but... Oh, really? But, you know, you put out a movie, so we're going to critique it like a movie, so... Whatever. (laughs) Prepare prepare to be reviewed. Yes. Um, so yeah, so it was put together by a team of uh, animators working all over the world using volunteer voice actors, volunteer musicians, volunteer sound effects artists. Independent and amateur. No famous actors, no professional studios, nothing of, nothing to do with majors. This is not Frozen quality. No, it's not professional. It's not DreamWorks. It's not Disney. Although, I suppose it's fair to say they do use those as inspirations. You know, with musical numbers and humor. See, if you go to the YouTube um, channel, Hash Inc. 2007, all one word there, you can find the film and its sequel, more of that later, on uh, there as full videos uh, along with some deleted scenes, unless they remove those. And a lot of those are song sequences that they took out. And in some cases, I'm kind of glad they did. I haven't, I've never watched the Tim Woodman novels on YouTube. I've only have the DVD. So that's what I'm going on here. Anything I say will be in regards to the DVD. Wait, how long is the DVD version? An hour and a half. Okay, the version I watched was the version from YouTube, and it only runs uh, 71 minutes. Okay, well, I don't mind an Oz movie that's an hour and a half, but I don't like it when there are clearly several moments of the movie that needed and should have been cut out, because they're not all good. It makes you want to fast forward. On the DVD player or Blu-ray. Yeah, I was mainly watching on my phone today because, well, I needed to uh, watch it. And I couldn't skip ahead or anything, so, ow. You don't have the DVD? I do not. Oh. So the DVD you have is pretty much the extended cut. I suppose, Yes. The full version, which may or may not be as good as a shorter version. Mm-hmm. But anyway, let's get into it, shall we? Yeah. Now, of course, we are Oz fans, and we know the story that it's based on, The Tin Woodman of Oz. The Tin and Woodman of Oz fans. is probably my favorite L. Frank Baum book. Mm. So, I, uh, the, so, yeah, I did kind of have a, quite a bit of criteria for it going in, sorry. Expectations, yeah. Yeah. Favorite book, high expectations, standards, definitely. We all have seen a lot of CG movies, and they've certainly changed in the last few years. Like, the CG humans today are entirely different, and I suppose better looking than how they would have started in, like, Toy Story or Shrek, even Puss in Boots. In here, they're ugly. I mean, a lot of them have very large bellies or skinny arms, strong shadows, and very, um, well, the limbs are just not quite as flexible as they are in real life, or as they would be in today's CG movies. They try to make the humans look very funny, and, you know, I realized today that um, the, the shading on the skin well, it looks plasticky, similar to an early CGI film I saw called The Night of the Headless Horseman, which was based on Legend of Sleepy Hollow. 
And frankly, I only watched that one once, and it was so awful I did not want to watch it again. But this case was different because this one was at least a little more fun to watch. At times. Maybe. At times, yes. I want to say that the movie starts off very promising. You get this nice little bit of music. You get a nice little... Uh, Sky cloud. Yeah, even the title looks pretty nice. And then you start seeing the animals and people, and you're like, oh. And then suddenly the music changes one minute, and you're like, oh. Yeah, it's something to get used to. By the time of 2008, or whatever year they started making this, CG was not new. It was pretty commonplace, but I suppose how good a CG movie looks depends on the people in charge of it. It's only as good as the talent behind it. Yeah. Well, anyway, there are some changes here where, first of all, you can see that Root is a very young boy, and when you watch this, you can clearly tell that he is voiced by a woman. He leaves his mother and then wanders off and then surprisingly finds the Tin Woman's castle, which it doesn't look like he's traveled very far, so it's like, why are you just now noticing this? (laughs) But even though the humans look ugly, the Tin Castle looks gorgeous. It really is lovely. You win one there, movie. Dang, we should, like, keep a scorecard of everything here. Hmm. Okay, duly noted, I'll do that. To make it easy, I'll just add good points for the good things. Okay. Tim Castle, point one. Designer humans, minus one. (laughs) You want to do the bad points? Okay. Minus one, and take off one for music. Consistency. We've met Root. He wanders a little. But maybe they have him say wanderer by wandering thoughts. Perhaps not so much traveler wanderer. From what it sounds like, he wants to make himself sound like he's a great adventurer. And there's a deleted song, I Want to Be an Adventurer. Is that in the DVD or? Yes, it is on the DVD. Where he. Yeah. It's. Not a song he sings himself. It's voiced by an actual guy who... I suppose this can be an inside song. The character does not sing it, but it represents the character or what their want and need is, even if it's not... Even if the singing voice does not match theirs speaking voice. So... Does the YouTube cut lose a point by cutting that song out, do you think? Because hmm. it kind of establishes, helps establish who Woot is. I suppose it's not bad. I suppose it's included on the DVD does give us a little bit more insight into Woot. I mean, he said, the song says, I want to be an adventurer. And we can see that he's a young boy. So I suppose that it does clear up his personality a little so yes he arrives at the tin castle and he meets the servant the first it's been a long time since i've seen the dvd maybe since i first got it but the first time i watched it i thought that the winky soldier god whoever was a little pompous you know like a bit smug and egocentric maybe it's not so much clear to me now but maybe i'm just having such a hard time enjoying the entire production that it's easy for me to think bad things about this and its characters, but Woot tells him that he has news, and it's basically just his excuse of trying to see the Tin Emperor, which he finds fascinating. If you don't live that far away, why are you so amazed that there's a Tin Woman there? Haven't you already heard of him? <laughs> well, don't forget, they are taking a later Oz book and just making it. I'm not too sure that they really are thinking thoroughly about how lines in the film reflect the actual story. Yeah, that's a point that doesn't really make much of a reference to the other books outside of Wizard of Oz. You know, Ozma will appear later, and she does get a few mentions here and there. As do Dorothy and the Lion at least once. So yeah, you get Wizard of Oz mentioned, but you don't have any idea that Dorothy uh, lives in Oz now or anything, so... For you know, this is intended to be their sequel to The Wizard of Oz. But this is 
much like most versions of Alice in Wonderland, where they will not have Alice meet the Duchess, who in the book introduces her to the Cheshire Cat. But in that same version, Alice will say Cheshire Cat, even though she has no establishment of being properly introduced or knowing that it's a Cheshire Cat. So in some versions, Alice does get introduced to the Cheshire Cat by the Duchess, or the Cheshire Cat says he's a Cheshire Cat. But in versions where Alice says Cheshire Cat before the cat says so himself, or without the Duchess in there, that's poor adaptation. They take him to the through the tin castle, which really isn't tin on the inside, which I think it actually it looks better. It looks very polished, though. Yeah. Silver, maybe? You think? Mm. I noticed some of the textures look more like marble. And, um... Oh, yeah. Did you notice that in the big room where the he, he finally meets the Scarecrow and Tin Man that um, there appears to be a stained glass window of the Shaggy Man? No, I didn't quite notice that. I'll have to look. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, there's also other tapestries and hangings on the wall, but it's never really clear what they are. But that one does yeah. appear to be the Shaggy Man. I'll have another look soon. Making one reference to Oz uh, outside of Wizard of Oz. I guess that's a point in its favor. I think they come up with a good look for the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman here. Because the Tin Woodman, or Tin Emperor, he does have his axe, but his jaw has like a beard pattern to it, a beard engraving, and he's got gold and green tin on his body. And the scarecrow is not blue, I don't mind that here, but the only problem is that the tip of scarecrow's hat moves, it moves so much, and it's a little bit too polished and shiny and glittery for him. To me there's a problem where they have a little bit too much detail going on these in a lot of the character designs. You see Disney and Pixar and you realize that they stylize stuff and that's why. Because if it's too detailed, it, it's just too much and it yeah. mixes in the wrong way and it just doesn't look good. And there's also the right balance of shading and light because there's a big difference between something soft like material, like fabric, and then there's silk. And those are completely different things. Um, in my opinion, Scarecrow could have used a lot less detail on his clothing. I mean, they made his clothes mainly red and purple. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, but they also have all these lines all over his uh, costume, so... Which makes it look too new when he should be an old suit? Those are the same details I was talking about where you have too many lines going on. If you're viewing that on anything smaller than a a great big screen, that can just look awful. But the Scarecrow has a better voice, I think, than the Tin Woodman. Because even though the Tin Woodman, who does not have his name Nick Chopper here, even though he has a heart, he talks rather monotonely, I suppose. Almost emotionally. Yeah, his voice is pretty monotonous. Hello, Woot. Won't you sit down? Whereas, the guy who plays the Scarecrow, he has a blast with this, apparently. He has personality. That's like a plus for the Scarecrow's voice and a minus for the Tin Man's voice. Woot gets to know the Tin Woodman, like how he became Tin, and eventually that makes the inspiration to look for Nimi and me. And we actually do get a CG flashback to his story. So we see a human Nick Chopper. He has a little bit of scruffy facial hair, but I don't really get why that would be enough for Ku Clip to add beard designs to his um, face. Unless that's something he had on later. Or something that the Tin Woodman had when he became Emperor. We do see Nimi Ami and the Wicked Witch of the East. Is it just me or does Nimi Ami kind of look like Christina Ridley as Wednesday Adams? It must have been you. The Wicked Witch of the East? Okay, I'll accept that. I mean, she does look old, ugly. She looks... She doesn't look like the typical witch. She does not have a top hat. She doesn't wear black. It's hard for me to describe her, but I can say she does not have silver shoes. We do not see her wearing silver shoes. 
or Ruby Slippers, thankfully. Um, they also show Kuklip, who will appear later, and he's a little round, fat guy wearing a white shirt and a leather, big leather apron, and has his little spectacles and a big, well, not a big just, beard. Just like the John Neal book, but with definitely a shorter beard. Nothing that goes uh, too far past his neck. Not long enough to trip over. I don't mind the look of Nick Chopper when he was a human, although... As I said, this is an amateur production, so the there's still a bit of lumpiness to his limbs. Nimi and me is very skinny. She has a pointy chin, and her hair is a little bit too sharp, so that it looks shiny or like one of those steel wool scours that you lo- use for hard cleaning dishes. But yeah, they do not have the colors of yellow for the Winkies or blue for the Munchkins here. Even though the Tin Woodman says that Nimi was a Munchkin, and maybe himself as well. They show him becoming Tin a bit at a time. I mean, we only see Nick Chopper with a Tin leg, but I like how they sort of gradually show him transforming. And we do see his Tin Woodman look outside of his royal attire for a moment. Yeah, he appears to be completely tin, and um, some of the beard engraving there actually isn't there, you'll notice. So after the story, they decide that they will go find Nimi make her the Tin Empress, and they get the castle ready in the little musical number. And also, the Tin Woman notices that his heart has broken. Mm. And it has a great big crack in it. And it's a mechanical heart, we should point out. Not... A plush one with sawdust, as in the book, or a clock, like in the MGM film. They have their first musical number in the YouTube cut, which has them all getting ready to go off, which... I'm off. I'm gone. Yeah, that's what it's called. I'm off. I'm gone. I'm off. I'm gone. And I can't remember any more of the words. (laughs) Yeah, you do bring up a good point that these songs... I'm not really that memorable. Yeah, I think the most memorable song was one that was cut, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> All right, after the song, which has the marching band at the end of the song sequence who see the Tin Woodman, the Scarecrow, and yes. Rudolph, they're styled mm-hmm. completely differently from everyone else in the movie. They're all gen- um, generic, I suppose. They are basically the same model, but with different instruments and different skin colors or hair colors. I think it just cuts a little too quickly to a shot of them looking at a sign saying, Strangers are warned not to go travel down this path to Loonville. It takes them a while to go into the forest, and we have a moment where, in a very cartoonish style, Scarecrow is left behind, but then when he gets scared by a butterfly, that's a long story in itself, so you'd have to watch the movie to find out why. But he runs back to his friend so quickly that his hat and eyes are separated from him momentarily, so his eyes are not painted, and he does have a mouth with tongue and teeth, so minus that. But anyway, yes, they go through a thicket, a forest, and it's not well trimmed. Like, you can definitely, in a lot of scenes, whether it's the tin castle, or the thicket, or whatever, you can clearly see that some scenes are not fully finished. And they make a joke here where the scarecrow gets attacked by a vine and he thinks it's a snake, but Wood points out that it is just a vine and he says, it may have been fine for you, but it was killing me. That is like a bomb-worthy pun. <laughs> True. I think he would not have minded that so much. And then they come across the loons who are these little tiny bouncy people who, um, if you read the book, you know that they're pumped full of air. But the thing mm-hmm. is, they have these weird design apparently printed on them. In this movie, they they have the they have these weird designs printed on them that kind of look like Aztec symbols, but that... yes, that's it. But they they're black and white. Only two of the loons are in color: the king and the other one. Pantaloon. Pantaloon. Okay, thank you. I really should have read the book beforehand. As a reminder, but the majority of the loons are black and white. When we first see the loons, they are around this fire and they're having this party music, which 
does not fit at all. It's because it's modern. It's it's a rap song. Yes, and it's it's badly edited too because you see one shot where the loons suddenly cheer and suddenly it stops as soon as we see somebody else. I had a hard time trying to understand what Pantaloon was saying. I mean, I was watching on my phone. I had headphones in, so I was able to get it. Where, you know, he's like, I'm not the king. I could have been. I think he winds up inexplicably popping. Trying to make himself bigger than all the rest of them. You know, they tried to punish the Scarecrow, Tin Woodman, and Woot for coming in by perforating them. But of course, they don't pop. So, but when Woot gets poked, he goes after them and pokes, uh, pops several of them. Which I think is a bit of a slow sequence. And... Again, not that well done, because it takes a little while to get through that moment. The Woot voice actress doesn't really do that, doesn't put that much emotion into the lines of saying, how do you like it? I think here's the problem, and that is when you're reading off of a script and you're not acting with anyone, you can really lose the momentum of the story. So, And they're not really thinking about what the scene is about either. They're not considering what the line is. I mean, part of the job of an animated feature is to read lines that go with the action. I mean, true, you're being animated and you're not acting out the part, but you still have a script and you're supposed to read what the action is. So you're supposed to use that to feed your dialogue. People might say, oh, voice actors got it easy. They just got to play it. But no, they actually have to play the scene out in their minds and put themselves into the role. Bam, because they don't have anything visual to help them. So professional voice actors, you get full prop. Root plans to pop them all, but the Scarecrow and Tin Woodman say that they should not interfere anymore because it was wrong of them to intrude on their part of the country. So they leave. But Woot does bring along the pantaloon in case he's useful later. If they hadn't done that, they could have just dropped uh, Loonville altogether. In the book, they say, what if Nimia Nee is there? And they do not bring that point up at all in the movie, DVD or YouTube. So yeah, it's like, um, why did they bother going there at all? Shortly after this, they have the Scarecrow sing his Ode to Straw, which... It's actually, I'll admit, this is actually a pretty fun musical m- moment. Mm-hmm. And it's completely Elfling Bomb lyric. I noticed they did mention Elfling Bomb uh, as credit for the song, or a song, but they did not mention his book at all. They did not say based on the book by Elfling Bomb at all in the end credits. But getting back to that particular Scarecrow song, I don't f- find it memorable enough to really comment on. But I do have a problem with uh, how later they see they show the scarecrow as a pillow food sleeping. They have the scarecrow sleeping and snoring, sort of. He doesn't sleep. No! He's undead. Wait a minute. He, he doesn't get tired. Which, actually, they kind of break the Scarecrow's rule of being an inorganic creature later on as well, but we'll get to that. Usually in the past, when we've read the Oz books, the Scarecrow and Tina Woodman compete about which is better, having a heart or having a brain. And when when I've read it in the books, I can sense politeness. I can tell that they're just being friendly and being humorous with each other. But in this film... They are clearly arguing. Then, being impatient, they get a bit annoyed. That's not it at all. Yeah, they discuss things with each other. Okay, this is—that is how the Scarecrow and Tin Man get viewed as fighting like an old married couple. Uh-huh. This is where it came from. Okay. Although they do have a moment where Boot says, "Will you two both just stop?" And then they come to Ku Clip's place. They come to his workshop. They somehow open the door that lets them walk in. You know, the Tin Woodman mentions how his meat leg is in the cupboard over there. He winds up opening a cupboard and finds a tin head. Which does not make sense at all. In the original book, it was his original non-tin head. His meat head. And, well, just like the book, unless I'm remembering incorrectly... The head is rather rude and impolite, without a heart to guide it. 
Yeah. Although that fine point is not mentioned. You know, the whole thing about that scene in the book was that this is the Tin Man talking to his past head that has a very dis- different personality from his present self. But now that it's just another Tin Head, that's lost. It doesn't make sense. I mean, did they think that a real head in the cupboard would be too scary, even in CG? Did they think that it would be too much like Return to Wars? Why did they do this? What would have been better is that they mentioned the Tin Man's parts being stored into the cabinet. So what they should have just done is have him open it and find it empty and wondering what happened. <laughs> why, yes. is, why are his parts not there? That would have been much better. And it would have been better set up for what, uh, for what Kuklip tells them in a moment. Because Kuklip returns and finds him and thinks that maybe the Scarecrow or Woot wants a little fixing up. <laughs> No tent snipping! I really, really wish they had cut out Ku Clip's song and Ku Clip wanting to snip snip the Scarecrow and Root. That ruined the character for me. In the YouTube version, the song is not there. It's a deleted scene. That bit's gone. He still makes a few comments to Root, who's like, no, thank you. Which, you know, in the book, he just mentions maybe making some extra supports for the Scarecrow, who politely refuses, which, that's... That's different, because the Scarecrow's inorganic. He's floppy, too. He's physically the weakest of the characters. So, messing up two points of Bomb's writing, that brings my minus count to ten. The Ku Clip does mention what happened to Nimi and me after the Tin Woodman was rusted and did not come to find her. And he mentions making a man out of his bare parts, but he does not mention another suitor for Nimi and me. The Tin Soldier is absent from this adaptation, and that causes another hole, because Ku Clip mentions Chop Fight, or Chop Fit, and if there's no extra suitor for Nimi and Nimi, well then, you're making another mistake. Well, okay, I could see it being named Chop Fit, but, you know, the name is supposed to be Chop Fight. You know, in the book it's spelled C-H-O-P-F-Y-T. Clearly Chop Fight. But, you know, here it would better be C-H-O-P-F-I-T. Because, you know, he was chopped and then you fit him back together. That would be, that's the play, that's the typical play on words you'd go for. And considering that Clue Clip said he made a extra body and that the Tim Woodman says... You had no right to use my cast-off parts to make another human. That already gives Ku Clip a bad point. So we don't. So we could have done without Ku Clip's tin snipping to Scarecrow and Root and his dumb song. And then he says that some people came for Nimi Amy and that she left them with the meat glue, and they went off towards Mount Munch. And that's pretty much as far as Ku Clip's concerned. And then shortly after, they find Nimi Amy because they moved the climax of the book to very much the middle of the movie. The main goal, yes. Not even in, like, the first 45 minutes or the first hour at the latest. I found Nimi and Amy a little bit impolite at times. When she first meets him, she's a little bit too uh, standoffish. And the thing is that it just doesn't make sense. Because in the book, she apparently wants her privacy. And she set up this invisible barrier that Polychrome helps him get through. But Polychrome isn't here, so neither is the barrier. So, you know, if she wanted to be left alone, why is she sitting out in an open spot? She'd be better in the woods or something. There are some serious gaps in this story. And then, of course, you know, she's married to Chopfit, who is now just the Tin Woman's meat body with a metal arm. And his meat head, but who is very, very disagreeable and rather rude, I suppose, or just rather antagonistic. Well, he's not kind to the Tin Woodman and his friends, but to be honest, the Tin Man did kick off the relationship by calling him an imposter. Mm. So... Maybe that's not quite Chopfit's fault there. If I recall correctly, Chopfit, if we had to call him that, was already scowling at the Tin Woodman before the word imposter was thrown about. When we first heard this movie, we heard it was going to be a faithful adaptation of the book. 
And in some ways, I already kind of feel like it already failed. Here's my thing. You can mess around with the story of the book because sometimes telling the story flashes and the book does not work on film. But you mm. need to get the themes right. And now they've been, a lot of them have been erased. So it's not really being faithful. I mean, you once made an article in the Bon Bugle about the Wizard of Oz movie compared to the book. And you mentioned don't change the story change the storytelling i wonder how you think of this story and its storytelling like i said the tim of oz is my favorite elvin bomb oz book so part of it is this great big joke that the ted woodman did not need a woman after all she didn't really need him she has a husband She's happy without him, and he's happy without her. It turns the whole idea of the traditional, uh, the king goes off to find his bride fairy tale on its head. I do think that Nimimi looks a little bit like how Dale Ulrey illustrated her in the 1950s. We don't have much to go on how Nimimi looks in the books. Yes, John Neal drew her once or twice in the same book, but... He did not always add much variety to his girls, whether they were women or children. The tin woman goes outside and his heart is broken in two now, so... And the song that plays here, My Heart is Broken... Deleted in YouTube. Included on the DVD, is an interruption of sorts. You can tell that it's one of those sad songs that's done by a African-American man. You know, it's that kind of sad blues song. But the next scene is instantly the Tim Woodman giving up because it's the same day, same evening, but the song has this night scene to it. So it kind of slows down the scene. It does show his mood, but we get the idea that he's upset. We get that his quest has been uh, ruined somehow. They've changed the story here, so... Whereas in the book, he was he was just fine that uh, uh, Nimiemi made her choice and she didn't want him anymore. Whereas uh, now he's torn up over it. And they eventually find the castle of Mrs. Yoop. Yoop Castle here, it, it looks very dark and menacing outside. Surrounded by a swamp, dead trees, smoke or steam coming out of the grotto. Very location gray and it's night time so do you really think it's a good idea to go into that kind of place even if it's night in oz there's a point they mentioned in the book where even if you hadn't read patrick girl of eyes they recognize it as yoop castle and the scarecrow says oh well mr yoop's locked away in a jail down south of here so this castle should be abandoned if they like had a throwaway line like that, that might have at least explained why they thought this would be an okay place to go to. But after a minute or so of going through the castle, like all the passages, the giant stairs, the halls and all that, they finally find Mrs. Yoop. And yes, she does have the giant element, but she's also a big, ugly, Russian-language-speaking ogre. There's a part before they meet Mrs. Yoop where they're wandering through Yoop Castle... I was like, they show a part of the castle and it's completely unlike the other parts. So I'm like, why did you put that shot in there when it almost looks like they're in a completely different castle all of a sudden? Okay, they have the rough stone and dark looking parts of the castle. And they have one part that, they have one shot where it's like a polished castle, similar to the Tin Women's Castle, actually. Okay. And then it goes right back to the old design for the rest of the movie and you're like, Okay, what was with that one shot there? I'll have to look at that again. And Mrs. Yoop, she does not have... Oh, wait, she does mention her husband, actually. She does mention until my husband comes back, or whatever. Was that in the song? Yes, it's in the song, I'm Mrs. Yoop and I'm Lonely. Yeah, they cut that from the YouTube cut. And that was actually the memorable song I mentioned, where it's like the most memorable song, and it's cut. I am Mrs. Yoop, and I'm lonely. I've been locked up in my castle all day long. <laughs> I, had, I had a hard time understanding what she said or saying. And she actually does have a moment in the song where she, I suppose, wants to do harm to Ozma. Like, take control of her or something. 
and I'm lonely for my husband, Mr. Yoop. Ozma locked him in a cage, but someday she'll feel my rage. Ah, uh, yes, that's it. And, you know, they change that from the book where she doesn't mind that Mr. Yoop's gone. She doesn't care. He would beat me severely. She does say he was an abusive husband, so she doesn't care <laughs> that he's mm. gone. The one thing I really hate about this song is that it ends on a fart. She pops off. You do not put body humor in Oz. I don't care what kind of story you're telling with Oz. You don't put a fart in it at all. She shortly changes the Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Woot into uh, Strawbear, the Tin Owl, and the Green Monkey. I do like the Straw Teddy. That is probably the best looking because... Woot has a strange luminescence about his hair that just isn't right. That's because of the sharpness of the CG, I think. But I just don't get why the Scarecrow as Teddy makes moves on the floor as if he's rowing a boat. I did notice that. That's weird because that's a, that's a movement that animal some animals will make when they're trying to... Scratch their uh, bottoms. When they've done something, when they've done the business. It doesn't make sense for the scarecrow to do it when he uh, apparently wouldn't have fleas or anything, so. And then, you know, they try to get out, and the Tin Owl's like, oh, there's no way to get out. Hey, maybe you can use my axe. Scarecrow can't lift it, but Woot lifts it, but he can't really do anything with it. He goes all over the place. He goes all over the large room of the fireplace until he finally gets it in the wall and he can't use it. So I think that going all over the place was more for comical than making story sense, which is dumb again. But then they meet a tin Nimia Me. She mentions that she was a decoy for the real Nimia Me when she escaped from the Wicked Witch. But then Mrs. Yub caught her and made her her servant. Which it's like, wow, would have been nice if, you know, Kooklip had um, mentioned that. Just like Billy Burke and the Ruby Slippers. Tin Nimia Me. She says that you can't get out unless you're wearing the magic apron that Mrs. Yoop has. So I suppose after the next scene, when Mrs. Yoop comes back or eats or whatever, uh, Woot manages to sneak into her room and tries to get the magic apron. And I really hate Mrs. Yoop's snoring here. But when he gets the apron, he gets caught. And I notice a big blooper here. You can see that Root, Monkey Root has a shadow but he's caught in Mrs. Yoop's giant hand, so his shadow is floating in midair, and Mrs. Yoop does not have a shadow to her body. Did you notice that? I didn't, but, you know, the shadows can be really hard to do. And reflections. Wood gets captured, and later Nimi Me tries to get the magic apron, but then she gets caught herself. So then, eventually, it's the Tin Owl... And Scarecrow, who come to the rescue. Uh, now, I get that it's a team effort, but I honestly think they should, that they should have cut it a lot shorter so that Root did get the apron himself and made their escape. This is where they use the remains of Pantaloon by blowing him up and surprising Mrs. Yoop with them. One other CG blooper I noticed is that Mrs. Yoop's room it apparently has a power point outlet in the corner it's you can see it best when we see a close-up of root mm. but oz does not need powerpoints so they make the escape and mrs yub is trapped in her palace without her magic apron but we never see the apron again didn't they think oh we have the magic apron we can use that to break our intended forms we can be our normal selves now but no they don't use that. They wander around outside trying to find... It's not really clear where they're headed to. They never say anything about trying to find Ozma either. They're just wandering around. Um, after a while, Woot gets depressed and says he's tired and he, he, he wasn't really a real adventurer after all. And He's never been this far from home for so long before. And the Tin Woman tries to... Make him feel better by promising a medal of bravery, even though he knows that they just made it up on the spot. To make him feel better. And the Scarecrow mentions a movie, too. 
about trial and error or perseverance? How would this character know about a movie? Well, I, I, I was watching and I thought, what if there are movies in Oz, but barely anyone watches them? Mm. No one cares about them, really. Yeah. They're too busy having real adventures, so... They climb all these mountains and they come to the invisible country. Although it's not so much a country, but they're crossing a giant fallen tree over a ditch. Then they start to go invisible. Although it's really more see-through than invisible. Which is, I suppose, inventive. Because you see less of the characters. You don't see the hair. You just see the sort of shape going transparent. Okay, I get it, because what else were you going to do? Just have blank landscapes? But then they meet up with the hippo giraffe. And he has his song retained in the YouTube cut. I can't remember how it goes, but I really don't like the hippo giraffe. It's not an attractive design. I admit that it's better rendered than some of the other designs they've made, but it's not a very attractive design where he's... He's not graceful. When he gets up and he starts seeing on his hind legs, no, just don't do that. It looks silly. And he has a slow, sort of dumb, eel-like voice. I will call Ozma for you. Because apparently they revised the hippo giraffe in this version where he is the eyes and ears of Ozma and a means of communication. Really? Yeah, it's like... that come from a place that's ju- that's just a shortcut they're making. Yeah, because you know the Hippodrome helps them out of the invisible country in the book in return for eating the scarecrow's straw. I w- wondered how did the scarecrow remove the straw from his body if he's turned into a bear and there's not really an opening for him to take it out. Yeah, that is a bit of crude, somewhat incomplete CG animation, but. They do it because of a compromise. Like, they'll get contact with Ozma if Scarecrow gives his straw. And eventually, Scarecrow decides to do that. He sacrifices his pride and himself to help his friends. Aw, good old Scarecrow. So the hippogyraph fades away, and we get what is, for me, hands down, the worst film, Ozma. Maybe slightly above... A Wonderful Land of Oz. I would say that even that one is better than this one. Because in that version, as lousy as it is, they have an actual goal in that one. But in this one, Ozma has a very pointed chin. She looks old. She's old enough to be Glinda. She's blonde. She has a yellow dress, a very tall crown. She is not really that pretty at all. And she pretty much just transforms everyone back with a wave of her wand. She does mention that she needs to transfer the shape of the green monkey to somewhere else, and Scarecrow offers to have it transferred onto him. But, you know, she does it without saying, and they're like, wait a minute, Ozma, you didn't change it to someone else, did you? And then you see Mrs. Yoop and her castle thrashing around the shape of a green monkey. It just surprises me that they take this long to make that decision. And then um, after Tin Man's been restored, Tin Girl, or Tin Nimi, decides that uh, she likes him, so they decide to go off and live happily together. And Root goes home. His mom has been waiting for. I'm no expert on bad singing, but even I can tell that the people who did the Tin Woodman and Tin Nimi Me who does not have the same actress as the real Nimimi, that they are not singers. No. Because if you're a bad singer, I don't think you usually go loud or high. And Tin Nimi is a bit of a quieter singer. Now, they cut that song from the YouTube version, and it ends with Woot going, yuck. Which they kept the yuck in the YouTube cut, so it's like, what is he going yuck at? It wasn't until the end, but I noticed that this movie has a recurring joke or a running gag with these three ducks or geese. Like, you see one of them in the opening. You see these three same birds when Root is jumping around on the shovel singing when he sings, I want to be an adventurer. They are around Nimi Mi's cottage when they find her. 
and they are there again when, you know, towards the end. They just keep popping up everywhere. Wait, wait, why didn't you get these decks to help you out of Ute Castle or something? So here we have a adaptation of The Tin Woodman of Oz. Now, like I said, I have mixed feelings about this. You can't say, oh, they haven't read the book because they are adapting a later Oz book. But on the other hand, it's like they have not really paid attention to it when adapting it for a movie. There's also a little bit that we didn't mention where Woot mentions he's hungry and then the scarecrow says he's hungry enough to eat lima beans, which he's an inorganic being. That's it, yes. Scarecrow does not eat. He does not sleep. He's not a human. He's a scarecrow. His face is a sack with a face painted on. Okay. His body organs, the only thing remotely resembling organs is a straw stuffing. How can they not do a scarecrow with a face with a mouth that just has a line that moves? Why do they have to put in the, straw, the tongue and the teeth? I think it might actually be easier to animate when you consider that how they have to put together the character. But um, that is a little something. Maybe they decided to make the Scarecrow look cuter and less creepy or something. Uh, it, look, even though people love Oz, they don't really think about certain finer details when bringing it to the screen. What's your plus list? Five or four and a half. My minus list is 21. Oh, boy, this is not a good score. This movie does not have a good score. By our standards. It's been a long time since I've watched it, but I remember when in the Whimsical World of Oz documentary that Ray Radbury said how compared to Oz, Wonderland and Look at Glassland have these people who are rude, who are crazy, who make fun of you, and how in Oz everyone wants to be your friend, but in Wonderland everybody is rude, they make opinions, they critique you, and that is precisely what they've done here. They've taken the pleasantness out of Oz, and they just do not make Oz a pleasant place. Characters who are supposed to be delightful are disagreeable. The hippo giraffe is stupid. They just do not do a good enough job on this in writing or acting or the story. I'm sorry to say this, but the truth is the truth. They didn't do a good enough job. Do you think they did a good job of making a product to display the capabilities of their animation software? You know, if if you were considering an animation software after viewing this film, would you want to get this software to create your film with? I'd probably consider more professional capabilities or studios. Mm. Personally... I prefer the classic, traditional, 2D hand animation. I mean, CG is okay, but I would prefer to invest in hand animation, personally and in all honesty. The only thing I have left to say is that I do hope that someday in the near future there is another adaptation of the Tin Woodman of Oz, and that is that that, that would be a very good and much better adaptation. See, I know you've mentioned you'd possibly consider changing around a few details and doing it slightly after maybe Ozma of Oz, so you have Ozma there at least. Oh, I'm pretty sure that was you who considered that. But I, myself, I would have considered it as a special feature on the Wonderful Wizard of Oz DVD. Because in my idea of a film, I'd have Nimi as Empress of the Winky, so they did have the Tin Woman look and find her after Dorothy went back to Kansas. So he would have fulfilled his promise. Yes. Hash Inc. actually made a second Oz film as a sequel, which was Scarecrow of Oz, because they already had the Scarecrow ready, and I guess he was pretty much the big star of this one. And so that's the one we're going to be talking about next, but we're going to have a very interesting way of doing that one, because we will be... Recapping the plot beforehand, but the critique is going to be very differently done than most of our podcasts because we will have several special guests, hopefully. Interactive. 
Yes, we will be screening the film at OzCon International, which runs from July 31st through August the 2nd. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly when we'll be doing it during the schedule yet, but we will be doing that and we will be recording. And after we finish screening the film, we will be allowing the, we'll be talking to the audience about what they thought of the film. So, you know, if you're going to Winkies, you can come down and actually be on the Royal Podcast of Oz critiquing uh, another Oz film from Hash Inc. Because. 2015 is not only the 30th anniversary for Return to Oz, but it's also the 100th anniversary of Elfingbaum's Scarecrow of Oz book. Yeah, I suggested doing that one, and that's why we went ahead and did Tid Woodman first, because it's the first in the series, which I think they've nixed doing any further Oz movies. You know, I think... I think they might be better off trying to do some more simpler stuff to try to work out. More original stuff that's not so much well-reserved or... Try something that's not so out there. You know, do something about a kid on his way to school having a wacky adventure. Anything like that. Don't quite launch out with Oz unless you're really ready to go. Because sometimes Oz can be quite a bit much to work with. You know, we had Clayton Spinney and Sean Gates on. They've already been like, oh, why did we decide for our first movie to do Wizard of Oz? Still, I can't wait for that one. I look forward to its release someday. DVD and Blu-ray. As we said, Tin Woman of Oz and Scarecrow of Oz. So, you know, if you think you might be busy at Winkies and you're not sure if you wanted to sit down and watch the whole movie, you can go ahead and watch it ahead of time at uh, at YouTube.com. Slash hash ink two thousand seven all one word, and you can you can just join us for the commentary if you want. But just to be fair, we're going to have it open. We're going to be screening the film first, or if you know you want to get a few preconceived ideas. <laughs> so we're going to have fun on the next one. And yeah. oh my gosh, it'll be the first episode of Movies of Oz where that we've recorded live together. Wow! In the same okay. physical space. Okay, well, that has been the Tin Woodman of Oz podcast. So, eventually, we'll get back to the late 80s or early 90s versions. I think we're going to have to go right into the early 90s, which I was trying to think about that today. Which What's next? Was it Galaxy of Oz? Was it um, the uh, Korean anime? I'm afraid so. At least oh. that runs under half an hour, so it should not be too much pain to get through. Well, we'll see you at Winkies, and and if we have another podcast before then, we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.